Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning to uh, celebrate with us as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've been in a series for several weeks now called On the Road Again to Financial Freedom, and today is part four in the last installment of this series. Um, I agree with a comment that uh, uh, Alan Seibel made in first service this morning when he said that he thought that Hunter Ritchie was better than Willie Nelson, and I think Hunter Ritchie is way better, and his version of On the Road Again is way better than uh, Willie Nelson, so... uh, but no, just a great time to be part of, of the Lord's Church. We had six baptisms last week in this service, in case you weren't here. Um, all of them boys, middle school boys, which was awesome to see them stepping into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And of course, uh, you saw Aislinn's baptism just a few minutes ago, and just uh, the Lord's been working, doing some tremendous things in this body, and we just want to give Him all the praise and glory for all the wonderful things that He's doing. You know, we've been in this series, we've been talking about how God wants us to manage money for Him in ways that honor Him because they are truly His resources that He has given unto us. I wonder if any of you have traveled this summer, maybe in the last few years, if you've ever traveled and you uh, are going down the highway, especially on the interstates, they now do this thing where they put grooves or these indentions in the side of the road. And if you begin to veer off the road a little bit, you'll, you'll hit this spot, kind of a washboard effect, and you'll hear this, and, and it, it, you know, it'll wake you up if you're falling asleep. It'll startle you if you're just getting off base. Uh, I think in Oklahoma here it's continuous. In some states they put a space between them. So you get this effect of, of course if you're going 80 you get, you know. but, but the, the whole point of it is that they're there to keep you safe. They're a safeguard that's, that's on the road to keep you on the road. And, and now what they've done in a lot of states, including Oklahoma, is on uh, the four-lane divided highways, now they'll put some of that cabling in between the lanes. So if someone is going off and they're veering off actually to the left, they'll actually hit that cabling instead of maybe going into oncoming traffic and hitting a car head-on. Many, many states have begun putting cabling in the highway. And again, it's a safeguard to keep you on the road, the direction that you're going, on the side of the road that you're supposed to be in. And it's one of those things that seems like, it, you know, it, it's, it's necessary, that we have some safeguards, that we have some direction. You know, our Bible teaching in the last three weeks, and we've looked at really about 80 scriptures about finances and money, they work as safeguards for us so that we stay on alignment with God, so that we are always seeking after His best in His way, that there wouldn't be any drift or deviation that would cause us to have a head-on collision, or to end up in a ditch. And if we put that Word of God into practice, then we will thrive. The Bible says it. But if we ignore it, we will suffer. And today, the title of the sermon is On the Road Again to Financial Freedom, The Rewards. The Rewards of Staying on the Road to Financial Freedom. The Rewards to Managing Your Finances God's Way. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, right in the middle of the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10. If you didn't bring your Bible, I invite you to grab the one that's right there around you. Turn it to page 528, and you'll be right there at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. You're also uh, welcome to follow along in the app. All the notes and the scriptures are in the Oakwood app right there for you. Just go to connect. Sermon notes, and you can look it up right there. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verses 9 and 10, says this 
honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is one of those scriptures in the Bible, like so many, that seem to have a cause and an effect. It seems to be like an if-then statement. If you do this, then God will do this. If we honor the Lord with our wealth, if we give him the first fruits of all that we produce, then our barns will be filled with plenty. Our vats will be bursting. It will be more than we can even contain, Scripture says. I know that some people read a Scripture like that and they, they think, well, this is God's get-rich-quick get scheme. That's what it's saying here. That if I'll give to the Lord, then, then I'll get back and, and I'll be rich and you know, that's not really what this is about. This is really about putting the Lord first. And it says to honor Him, and we're going to be talking about that just in, just in a second, but it says to honor Him with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wealth? I don't have wealth. I mean, I've got a little bit of money, but I would hardly call it wealth. But I wanted to give you a perspective on this. Do you realize that if you make more than $1,500 per year, $1,500 per year, that you are richer than 75% of the world's 6 billion plus people. You're in the top 25% of wage earners if you make $1,500 a year. Now let's take it to another level. If you make $1,500 a month, if you make $1,500 a month, then you are richer than 85% of the world's population. $1,500 a month, that's $18,000 a year. You're in the top 15% of income earners in the world. But let's take it a step further than that. If you make $1,500 a week, that's $6,000 a month, $72,000 a year. If you make that much, you are richer than 95% of the world's population. I know teenagers that make $1,500 a year that would make them richer than 75% of the world's population. Now, the single most important thing for us to get from this is that we are blessed. I mean, just to live here in the United States of America and to have the material wealth at our fingertips, to have food and water and everything that we need at our fingertips, we are already blessed as a people. You ask somebody that's lived in a foreign country or especially in a third world country, you'll find out there's a huge difference and the people and how they live there. The single most important goal in each of our lives should be what the very first word of our text says today, to honor the Lord. Regardless of economic standing, regardless of where you come from or who you are, you should desire to honor the Lord. I always say it this way, God first, everything else is details. Jesus would say it this way, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you as well. Do you realize that if you would become the, that, that if he, if God would become the focus of every person's life more than anything else, if we would live our lives to bring honor and glory to God, to make others think more of the Lord, to want to honor them with his life as well, if we did this day in and day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, let me tell you what some of the effects of holding the Lord in high esteem and honoring him would be. The tabloids would be out of business. 
the paparazzi would be unemployed. Programs like TMZ on television would have no material to work with. The court system wouldn't be crowded. Our schools would be safe again. There would be no more secrets between husbands and wives. There'd be strong marriages and strong, authentic friendships. There'd be honesty in business and business dealings would flourish. The economy would become robust. There would be no more drugs, no more abortion, no more war. There'd be no more gender deviation, no more senseless domestic violence, no more suicide, and maybe the Kardashians would actually get along and might actually find Jesus if we all honored and esteemed the Lord and really put Him first in our lives. And according to the wisdom of Proverbs here, people would experience financial freedom this way. Because one of the ways that we would honor the Lord is with our wealth, which God blesses. You see, this word honor appears here in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the original language it was uh, uh, written in was the language called Hebrew. And King Solomon, you've probably heard of King Solomon in the Old Testament. He'd be one of those uh, that, that would be really familiar with honor. He was, the, he was a king, and he was a king amongst kings. He had all the riches in all the world, everything at his fingertips. This word honor in the original context in the Hebrew language means literally weighted down. If you were to honor someone, that means that, that they would be weighted down. Now you think about that for a minute. You think about the context of Solomon's life. Think about a king and how they would be weighted down with honor. All the accessories of their royalty. Picture a crown on their head. Picture a, a, a robe. Picture a scepter. Maybe a medallion around their neck. You get the idea that, that there would be honor. They would be weighted down with treasures. To honor the king carried with it the idea of bringing the king a gift. In 1 Kings 10.10, when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon... The Bible says this, that she gave the king 120 talents of gold. In today's terms, that would be four and a half tons of gold. Large quantities of spices and precious stones. And then the scripture goes on and says, Never again were so many spices brought in as those of the queen of Sheba that gave to King Solomon. Thus, by her bringing such a gift to the king, she did what? She honored him. She did what? She weighted him down. She weighted down King Solomon with honor. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, if that rings a bell for you, you would say, well, that's the Christmas story. That's the story of Jesus' birth. In Matthew 2, 11, when the wise men came from the east, the Scripture says that they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they honored and worshipped him. And then they opened up their treasures to do what? To honor him, to to weigh him down and presented him gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. You know, we, we hear that and we, we think of wise men from the East, the Magi, and, and um, you know, traditionally in all of our, our nativity sets, you know, we see the three wise men. Well, we never hear about three wise men, we just hear about three gifts. Most scholars believe there are probably somewhere between 35 and 50 in the entourage of the, of the wise men, and they didn't bring little token boxes to Jesus. They were honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No, they brought treasure chests of offerings. And Jesus was weighted down. And Jesus was honored. In the same way, when we come to worship Him with a gift, we are weighting down the Lord. We are honoring the Lord. We are demonstrating 
that he carries more weight than anything else in our lives. And we place, what does it say in our scripture? The first fruits of all of our living before the Lord. And the first tithe of our income. That's to demonstrate that he is the first priority in our lives. But instead, sometimes, with God, instead of honoring him and him being weighted down with honor of our first fruits and our tithes and offerings, we sometimes, we have him sit. We have him sit on the side and we have him wait. Yeah, we'll get back to you, God, if at the end there's anything left over, but I like to spend most of my income on me. And when we do that, we don't show that God is the first priority. We show that he is just simply an afterthought. So the bottom line is, if we want to enjoy some rewards on this road to financial freedom, we have to recognize who is the king of the road and who needs to be weighted down with honor. And we do that by giving him first and best. That being established, I want to speak with you this morning about some of the specific rewards that God has in store for, in store for us. What can we expect if we are faithful stewards of what God has richly given to us. The first thing we can expect is this. We can expect the blessing of the Lord. You can expect the blessing of the Lord on you. You see, His blessing takes on various forms. In fact, I think the best blessings in life have nothing to do with finances. But sometimes His blessings are financial for sure. We see it in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. Sometimes we don't think about how the Lord blesses and provides for us because he does it in ways we don't understand. You may remember last week I, when I was talking, I, I'd, I'd said something about John Ortberg. had said that there were uh, 10,000 things that God is doing in your life all at once. The fact is we can only see about three of them. And I believe that's absolutely true. God works in mysterious ways. Someone opened my eyes to this years ago, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, a lot of times when we give to the Lord, and, and we're trusting Him, and, and we, 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 we read scriptures like this, where we get to this point where we really we, we want to see it. You know, We want to touch it. We want to feel the blessing of the Lord in our lives. But someone said, Eric, do you have a washer and dryer, a refrigerator, some appliances in your home? I said, yes. He said, Eric, are they all broken right now and in disrepair? I said, no. In fact, I've had really good fortune. I had a washer that moved from like Tulsa to Enid to Fort Worth to Colorado to Clinton to Enid. Okay, that was my, my journey. And it was like 20, 25 years old. It was given to us as a hand-me-down. It was like 13 years old when we got it. And it made it all the travels and all the way around to all these places. I remember the first time that I actually repaired the dryer with the set uh, was um, at my home here when we were living in Williamsburg, right when we moved to Enid. I actually uh, took it apart, took the drum out, and, and replaced uh, the belt in it. I mean, you talk about something like that. The Lord sustains that. Do you see that as a blessing? Is that the way? I mean, your car that started up this morning just got you real you know, easily, hopefully, to come to church today? The fact that you're not repairing that and that's not in the shop every day, I believe that's a blessing from the Lord. Things that could break down that don't break down, it's a blessing from the Lord. Maybe, maybe when you go to the store and you, you see something on sale and you were prepared, I, I was going to buy this shirt for $20 and I got to the store, it's on sale for 50% off, $10. That's $10 more in your pocket. You see, we've got to expand our thinking because the Lord does provide for us in sometimes very mysterious ways. And if we are rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share, this is what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6 
17 says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, in the NIV, it promises that if you are a faithful tither to the Lord, that He will pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So much blessing. He richly provides. Sometimes these are obvious to us. I mean, it's things like we have an income. We have a, a paycheck. Sometimes it's additional income. Maybe you get a bonus Maybe you receive a cash gift, some overtime pay. Maybe you get a second salary. Maybe you have a garage sale or you sell some possessions. Maybe you get a refund or maybe you get an inheritance from a family member. The Lord blesses us with additional income. Sometimes it's with hospitality. You, you, you go out to lunch with somebody and they buy your lunch or they buy your dinner somewhere. Or maybe someone treats you and your family to a vacation somewhere. Sometimes it comes in the form of special help like help with transportation. Maybe someone gives you a ride from point A to point B. Maybe you have house repairs and some friends come over and help you repair something in your house. Maybe it's, it's you get equipment repairs for free. Or I even thought about this and got a Snicker first service. Maybe it's free babysitting. Because free babysitting is awesome. Because <laughs> babysitting is so expensive. You know, discount sale items that, that we talked about. I mean, sometimes God's blessing on you will take the form of surprises. And sometimes it's just right before your eyes. We just can't see it. Sometimes it takes on the form of surprises. It's unexpected. It's supernatural. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, it says this, I will give you the treasure of darkness, riches stored in secret places. I remember a story a few years ago of Lincoln Christian Seminary, one of our uh, Christian seminaries that's located in Lincoln, Illinois. They were going through a hard time financially as an institution, and they were considering closing down certain parts of their seminary program, um, their undergrad and their graduate program. Uh, they were just going through a hard time financially, and they began to pray, they began to reach out to churches and donors and past graduates, the alumni, uh, and just reached out to everybody and said, hey, we need some money here. But during that process... They prayed, and they prayed specifically for God to do something supernatural, just, just for God to provide in just an awesome supernatural way that no one could get the credit for it except God himself. They were cleaning out the library archives at that school, and they found an old letter that was actually written by Abraham Lincoln. That letter was authenticated, and a museum bought it from the school for $300,000, that $300,000 was just what the school needed to get back on their feet, to get out of the red, to get over their past due bills, and get back on the road again. And they've been turning out ministers and ministries and missionaries ever since. Riches stored in secret places. You never know with the Lord. So we have the blessing of the Lord on you. One of the rewards when you stay on the road to financial freedom. The second one is the blessing of being able to help others. The blessing of being able to help others. Is there any more better blessing than being able to help someone in their time of need? I mean, I love that. They used to make TV shows about this. How many of you remember Extreme Home Makeover several years ago? You remember that show? Every Sunday night, we'd sit there with our family because it was like the only show on television that you, know, you could watch with your family. And we'd all cry 
I remember grabbing a Kleenex box before we sat down because that shows very emotional. I mean, they would help people that had homes that were destroyed by tornadoes or, or their home was in disarray or they had 19 kids and counting and they only had two bedroom home. And they, I mean, they would help these people build houses. And you remember how the end of the show was every week? They parked this huge charter bus right in front of the house that they just built. And all of the people that had worked on the house, the construction people, maybe the community had come together, maybe even a church a couple times on that show had come together, and all those people would be on the side. And that family would stand behind the big charter bus that said Extreme Home Makeover. And what would they say? Move that bus. And what would they do? They'd drive the bus so you're getting goosebumps right now. Just talking about they would pull the bus away. The family would see the house, and it would be like, awesome. And they would cry, and everybody would cry. But do you ever notice on the show, it would always show the families crying. But it would show side shots of the families, and you'd see the people in the crowd always crying. And those people weren't, weren't getting a free house. But those people had helped build. They had sacrificed. They had helped build. They'd given to others their time and maybe some of their resources to help someone in need. I, I don't know if there's anything greater than that in life. And I, I've seen that and I've experienced that. I've seen the joy on the face of an organ donor when they give up one of their kidneys so that someone else might have life. I've seen that joy on the face of adoptive parents when they get these kids that they love and want to be a part of their family. I've seen that joy on the faces of people who serve in prison ministry People that serve at a rescue mission. People who care for foster children. People who serve and go on mission trips. They enjoy serving others. It's part of the rewards of the road to financial freedom is that we get to help others. Listen to this related wisdom, Hebrews chapter 6. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We need to understand that even the smallest acts of kindness to others will always be remembered and rewarded by our Heavenly Father. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus says this, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. I love that verse. If you're kind to the poor, you lend to the Lord. In Matthew 25, a passage you might be familiar with, talking about the sheep and the goats. At the end of that passage, Matthew 25, 40, it says this, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And the context here is Jesus is teaching about final judgment and the reward of those who are caring and who are generous and who helped the poor in their time of need. So we get the blessing of the Lord on you. We get the blessing of helping others. And finally, the third way that we're blessed on the road to financial freedom is we get the blessing of contentment. The blessing of contentment. And I can't explain this, but I've experienced it personally. And I have seen it work in so many other people through the years. When you are a faithful steward of what God has given you, you are rewarded with a spirit of contentment. When you are a faithful steward with what the Lord gives you, and when you're not, and you keep it all for yourself, you struggle with contentment. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 says it this way, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. He's always wanting more. Someone has wisely said, you are only poor when you want more than what you have. Now, do you realize what that means? That means that some of the most well-to-do folks that you know are poor. And that many poor folks are very well off. The Apostle Paul describes it beautifully this way about contentment in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation, in every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, the trouble with many people is that their earning capacity can't keep up with their yearning capacity. We need to value contentment. But contentment can't really be learned or willed as much as it's just a byproduct. It's the reward of being a faithful steward with what God has given, given unto you. Christians who understand that tithing is not the ceiling of giving, but it's just the floor. It's entry level. It's not the finish line of giving. It's just the starting blocks. These are the people who are experiencing contentment like no one else that I know in my life. And it is a special reward that will always elude those who cannot discipline themselves to at least give a tithe. I know some people say, well, this is just a church thing. But don't fool yourself. If you read the Bible, you find out this isn't a church thing. This is a Christian thing. This is a Christ follower thing. And it's not an option. It's an act of obedience. And you can believe one thing for sure. Everything in costs will go up. Year after year after year. Everything costs more. I'm here to tell you today, the tithe has been 10% since the days of Abraham. And God has not asked for anything more than a free will offering beyond that. I heard a few people make comments over the years. That they'll say something like, well, I want to attend that church because all that church wants is your money. I want to attend this church because this church, all they want is your money. All they're interested in is your money over there. Maybe you've heard someone say that. But I can honestly say I've visited a lot of churches through the years, and I haven't met too many greedy churches. Actually, I can't recall one that I would call greedy. What I found out to be true is that most of the time, when people make a comment like this, it's because they're selfish. And they want to keep all of God's money for themselves. And they choose not to give to the mission. And so they're really looking for an excuse to ease their conscience to not obey God's directive. They like to justify their lack of generosity and contentment by projecting that onto God's church. But the fact is, the church doesn't want their money. They want their money. And if they could find true lordship salvation through Jesus Christ, I think they could truly rid themselves of the excuses for not being givers and get rid of their own greed and selfishness. You see, when we get the rewards, when we're on the road to financial freedom, we have the blessing of the Lord. We have the blessing of helping others. We have the blessing of contentment. And these are all rewards that we get when we manage money God's way. But as we end this series this morning, I want to leave you with four very practical steps 
to keep you on the road to financial freedom. Because it's not about starting. We have a lot of people start. You know, we did ABCs to financial freedom in the fall. And we had, I think it was like 43 or 46 new givers start tithing for the very first time. But the fact isn't, did you start it with us in October of last year? It's, are you still honoring the Lord in that area of your life today? Well, here's four action steps to keep you on the road to financial freedom. The first one is this. You've got to do more than talk about it, okay? You can't just sit there and talk to your husband or wife about it, talk to yourself about it. You can't just talk about it. Proverbs 14.23 says it this way. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You got to take action steps. You got to do something that matters. You can't just sit there and have conversations and rhetoric about it. You actually have to do something. You've got to do more than talk about it, which really leads us to the second step here is you've got to work at it. This is going to be work. Proverbs 12.11 says this, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. You see, you're going to have to work at managing your finances God's way. You're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to study the Scriptures again. You're going to have to make a plan. You're going to have to make a budget. You're going to have to say no to some things and yes to some other things. You're going to have to work at it, but I promise you, you will find financial freedom and blessing there. God did not intend for money to be a stress in your life or to bring you worry in your life. And the, and the more that you worry and stress about money might mean that you've not yielded to the Lord in this area of your life. But you've got to do more than talk about it. You've got to work at it. The third thing is you've got to stay after it and not give up. You're going to have to have some persistence here to stay after it and to not give up. Proverbs 13, 4 says this, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Desire, contentment, and freedom and don't give up until you get there. There will be times of testing and there will be times of trial ahead. But you need to stay after it and not give up. You need to see it through to the end. So you got to quit talking about it. You're going to actually have to work at it. You've got to stay after it and not give up. And the final tip to stay on the road to financial freedom is you've got to honor the Lord with your money. Remember what I talked about at the beginning Honor means weighted down. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And this scripture brings us right back to where we started just a few minutes ago, doesn't it? Do you remember... When I said in an earlier message a couple weeks ago, that debt is not the on-ramp to financial freedom. Debt is an exit off the road to financial freedom. But I want to tell you this morning, the on-ramp to financial freedom truly is giving to the Lord. Giving Him a tithe of your income. You know, I'm starting to subscribe myself to the following ethic, and I recommend you consider this as a principle in your life. As well, listen to this. First things always belong to God. First things always belong to God. First things always belong to God. First day of the week belongs to God. First day of the week. The first hour of the day belongs 
to God. The first portion of my income belongs to God. And let me tell you something. When you prioritize your life and you put God first, understand that he will reward you. He will give you blessings on you and your family. He will give you the blessing of being able to help others in their time of need. And he's going to give you the blessing of true contentment. That's not just always chasing after the next possession or the next purchase. Martin Luther said this. He said, people go through three conversions. They go through the conversion of their head, the conversion of their heart, and then the conversion of their pocketbook. And he goes on and writes, unfortunately, usually not all at the same time. And so I want to ask you this morning, have you gone through the three conversions yet? Are you ready to start with the conversation? Are you ready to start with the conversion of your head today? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And then have you converted your heart? Have you given your heart to Him? And what about His church? Are you ready to stop dating the church and maybe make a commitment to grow and to serve and to be accountable in your Christian walk? And what about your pocketbook? Is that a hindrance to fully trusting God? You know, it's one of those things. God first in every area of your life. And let me tell you, some of the most satisfied people that I've ever met, some of the most content people I've ever met, some of the happiest people that I've ever met are people that put God first in every area of their life. And if you'll do this, the blessing of the Lord will be upon you. But it all starts with the relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't give us a set of rules to obey to get us to heaven. He gives us grace through His Son, Jesus. We have a decision room. It's located over here. And we're going to have some decision guides and elders over here. And we're going to sing a song in just a minute. And if today is the day that you want to make your conversion of the head or the conversion of your heart, we invite you to come and talk to somebody about that. To fully trust God, not only with your finances, but with your life. Because then you'll be able to grab a hold of life and you'll be able to have it more abundantly, Jesus said. So let's stand for a word of prayer and then we're going to sing a song of worship. Let's pray.